Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. Hola! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Por favor, uno momento. Ah. Hola, vecino. Uh, te gustera venir uh, conmigo a la iglesia el domingo. Mi iglesia es muy dorito. Dur dorito? Uh, oh, <laughs> dervitido. Uh, y se puede transformar tu vida de pecano. Oh, pecado, pecado. <laughs> not, not pecano, but, but uh, pecano says muy delicioso. See? 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 See, I, See? I, don't, even know See? I don't even know what you're saying. You speak English. Yes. You're not a Spaniard. Well, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I don't I don't speak the language. Seriously. Yeah, I never Seriously. I never learned the language. Seriously. What were you saying? Never mind. Morning. Pull out your notes for today's mess message if you would, please. You know, I think deep within the heart of any true believer, there is a desire to make an impact for Christ in the world by sharing the good news with people. I, I will tell you that certainly I've heard it from many people in our church who come to me and say, I want to be a better witness. I want to learn how to share Christ. I, I want to Im impact people with what God has done in my life. I want to share it with other people. And I think it's because the Spirit of God that is within us uh, moves us to be people who want to share what we have received from God ourselves. Because essentially, we are here on this planet to serve God and to reach people. As a Christian, our primary purpose here is, is not really worship, because we could worship better in heaven. Our primary purpose is, is not just to move up the corporate ladder. That's not why, I mean, God blesses us with things, but that's not the number one thing in our life. The, the primary purpose of our lives is to serve Jesus Christ and to take the message of his love to people who need to know him. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that God does not want anyone to perish, doesn't want anyone to be eternally destroyed, but wants everyone to repent of their sins and come into relationship with him. That's God's desire. He wants everyone to know 
the, the, the joy of Jesus Christ and have a right relationship with God. And when we come to Christ and give our lives to Christ, the Spirit of God comes to live within us, and He puts that burden upon each of us to take the message of the gospel to as many who will hear so that they as well can have fellowship with God. So during this month of July, we are going to be talking with you, with you about the particulars of how to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, what we're calling how to be a neighbor. Not like the guy you saw in the video there who, who really blew it. I mean, when he did have the chance to share, he, he walked away in disgust. No, not that way. We're going to talk to you about the call that God has upon our lives today and, and try to learn who it is that he wants us to reach. And then we're going to talk to you about in weeks to come, how to bring that to pass. You know, just before he left this earth to return to his Father in heaven, Jesus told his disciples, and, and folks, that includes you and me, it's all of his disciples. If we know Christ, we are his disciple. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, God authorized and commanded me to commission you, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. Go back to verse number 19 and look again at what Jesus is telling us to do. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. So we have this obligation to, our, to, to neighbor, to reach people who are near to us, but we also have the obligation to take, uh, and I should, shouldn't just say obligation, we have the joy of taking the message to the world. And that's why we showed you the video about reaching out into the world. I love what Greg Mundus, the National Director for Assemblies of God World Mission said in that. He says, you don't judge yourself by your successes, you judge yourself by the continuing need. I see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in the Salt Lake Valley who desperately need the message of Jesus Christ, who desperately need Life Church and other life-giving churches in this community to reach out and to touch them. It's a passion that the Spirit of God places within us, and we've got to see that need. But we also take it to those who are far away. We have an obligation. I'm so proud of this church that last year we gave over $400,000 above our tithe to taking the gospel around the world by supporting missionaries, literally over 100 of them around the world. We have families down in Mexico right now who are, who are down there ministering for the Lord, touching an unreached people group, people who are just like you, who have given themselves to their careers throughout their career, but in retirement have given themselves to reaching a people that need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So good to have Kent and Sharon Royer back from that task down in Mexico and back with us today. But God is still moving people to get involved in missions trips around the world and reaching people because we have this, this compassion within us, this move within us from the Holy Spirit. God is telling us to get out and train people you meet far and near in this way of life. So basically, it's this idea. Someone reached you. 
Someone reached me. Now it's our joy to do the same for others. Luke chapter 10 tells us about a day a, a Jewish expert in the law, the Old Testament law, asked Jesus what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus answered by telling him to follow the two greatest commandments, and they are to love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and secondly, to love others or your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus then told this man, if you do those two things, you will have eternal life. And you know, you can look at that and you can kind of think to yourself, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, if you do the right things, you get eternal life. And we know that that's not true because salvation is by faith. It's not by works. So what was Jesus saying when he said, if you do these things, you will have eternal life? What he was telling this man was there's no way you can do those two things unless you have had a changed heart that comes only from a, a, an encounter with the Savior Jesus Christ in your life. You must turn your life over to him, make him Savior and Lord of your life. You do that, you'll be able to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. You do that, you'll be able to love your neighbor as you do yourself. If, you, if it's just religion to you, you will never have that kind of love for the world or for God for that matter. And that's what Jesus was telling him. He was saying, listen, as an expert in the law, you give yourself to all of these rules thinking that they are going to give you eternal life. But they won't give you eternal life unless you first have an encounter with the power behind the rule. And the power is Jesus Christ, your Messiah. And it's obvious then from the text of, of the reading here in Luke 10 that this particular scholar wasn't doing either one of those two commandments very well. He wasn't loving God completely. It was probably just a religious form to him. And he certainly wasn't uh, loving his neighbor. And especially he wasn't loving his neighbor. And so he asked Jesus, who then is my neighbor? Notice that he wanted to justify himself. And so he's saying, who is my neighbor? You know, that's a good question to ask because if in fact we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, it's probably important to know who then we, our neighbor is, who we are to love. Is it the person who lives next door to us on the right or on the left? Or is it bigger than that? So Jesus answered this question because the question is, who is my neighbor? He answered the question by telling a story to illustrate who our neighbor is. And it's found in Luke chapter 10 as well, verses 30 through 37, as oftentimes referred to as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is what Jesus said. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. He didn't even want to see it. He didn't even want to know there was a need there. So he went completely to the other side. Don't even bother me with the problem. I don't even want to know that it's there. Isn't that interesting? A temple assistant, verse 32, walked over and looked at, at the man lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Now, this guy at least gave the time to come over and see the need. Didn't do anything about it, but he saw the need. Then he too went on the other side of the road. 
Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an, an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If, if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Then Jesus said, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the, the, the scholar, the expert in the religious law said, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. That's what Jesus told him. In effect, that's exactly what I read to you earlier that Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, where he said, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Go out and share with everyone. Go out and do the same. Care about the people out there. So answering the question, who is your neighbor? According to this verse in Matthew chapter 28, everyone we meet is our neighbor. All of them matter to God. Now, going back to the story of the Good Samaritan, it talks here about three ways that people treat one another. And it, it happened 2,000 years ago, and it's still happening today. And we see it played out in, in the three different groups of people that were involved in, in this story. And the first one comes from the example of the, the lives of the thieves, which might be stated this way, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. Do you think that goes on today? I think it does. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. Jesus said, verse 30, a Jewish man's traveling on the strip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's attacked by bandits. They strip him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they leave him half dead beside the road. They probably take anything else of value that he might happen to have on him as well. But we know that they basically strip him of his good clothes, and they leave him beat up royally, laying in the, in the ditch at the side of the road. Now, this, this past week, this is interesting, one of our own youth, out of our youth group here at Life Church, experienced this very thing. You say, really? Yeah. He was simply out jogging when a car full of young people pulls up next to him and some guys jump out of that car and they beat him up for no reason whatsoever. They just pulled up because he was running down the road and they beat him up. They leave him alive but badly beaten. And, and his nose was broken, his face was lacerated, and he had to have stitches in his scalp. And that's what happened to him on Tuesday of this past week. Now, this was probably a gang initiation kind of a thing, and one of our youth happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But that, what happened to our youth, one of our youth, happened to this man that Jesus is talking about. He's traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. I say down to Jericho because it's a, it's a drop of about 2,100 feet from Jerusalem down to Jericho. I've been there many times, gone, gone down the highway. Today, it's a, it's a paved highway. You drive 70 miles an hour on it. Back in this day, you got on the donkey and you went through trails all the way down to Jericho or you just walked it. 
and it's, and it's rugged country, it's mountainous, it's, it's uh, desert country, and there's all kinds of places for someone who wants to do you harm to hide, and at just the right moment to jump out and, and to try to take what you have, even to try to take your life. And that's what happened to this Jewish man. So these thieves, they saw themselves as deserving what this man had. That's what I want you to see was in their heart. That's what's in the heart of every thief. They think they deserve what you have. That what you got, you got by luck, you got by chance, you got by whatever, by, you know, you just were born into the right family or whatever. And so therefore, because my life has been tough, I'm a victim of the system. I'm going to, I've been taken advantage of by the system. And therefore, I deserve what whatever I can take, whatever I can steal from other people, and that's the heart of the thief. To their way of thinking, what's yours isn't yours if they can overpower you. What's yours is you, isn't yours if they can take it from you. What's yours, it will be theirs if they can get it. And that happens every single day uh, of, of the year in, in our world today. In random acts of violence and thievery, it goes on, whether it's technology kind of theft or whether it's literal kind of theft or whether they're breaking into your business or breaking into your home or whatever. Carrie and I have experienced that twice in our married life where people have broken into our home and have taken our stuff, taken as much as they could. Now, some people will maybe call what I'm going to say next a stretch, but I don't think it is because... Really, when you stop about and think about this, this is exactly what was going on when America declared her independence from Great Britain on July the 4th, 1776. The King of England had decided that he wanted what the colonists had. And so he sent his army over to take it from the, from the people who lived here. And our forefathers said, that's enough. We're not going to let you do that anymore. We're, we're drawing a line in the sand. And they revolted against England and what it was trying to do against them, and America was born. Thieves have been trying to take what isn't theirs since the very beginning of time. It's happened from the beginning. And really, when you think about it, it is the heart of Satan himself. Do you know that Jesus called Satan a thief? And he said in John 10.10, that his only purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the thief's purpose is. He wants to steal your potential. He wants to kill your future. He wants to destroy your eternity. And the way these kinds of people treat each other, treat other people is, that's what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it from you. That's their attitude. That's the way some people treat other people in the world today. Now, there's a second group that's talked about here in this story, and it's lived out in the person of the, of the priest. And, and his, the way he treats people might be stated, what's mine is mine, and you can't have it. I have it, I own it, I possess it, you can't. Verses 31 through 32, by chance a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. 
So this is the picture of, of total selfishness. I have what I need. I don't care what you need. I'm not giving anything of mine away because I might need what I have myself someday. And so you'll never get anything out of this kind of an individual. And that's who the priest, isn't it interesting, it's the religious crowd that acted that way in this story. That the priest and the temple assistant, the two guys that were involved in the religion of the day, were the guys who felt this way. And it shows you how, how selfish religion can actually make an individual. But these guys said, I, I am, I'm going to keep what I've got and I'm not going to share. I am so glad, as I said earlier, and proud of this church that you stepped out on Mother's Day and throughout the month of May and gave $40,000 to getting the gospel of, God, uh, of Jesus Christ above your tithe, above your other giving, to, to the world, to the rest of the world, to help feed the children, to help clothe them, and to help minister God's love to them. But that's how... Uh, many people are in the world today, they say, what's mine is mine and you can't have it. You know, I'm always amazed at how little some people give, how, how, how small their generosity is. As, and and I, as I was writing that, I was thinking about some shows that I've watched on TV, and maybe you've seen some of them where they talk about the lives of the rich and the famous. And, and and it's amazing because in some of those, those documentaries, they talk not only about the lives of the rich and the famous, but they talk about some, sometimes about what they give and, and how much they give to charity. And you know, it's, it's, it's pathetic sometimes compared to all that they possess, to all that they have. Now, I'm, of course, not all rich people are this way, but many of them are. They have so much, and they could give and do so much with it, but they hoard it unto themselves. But this spirit can even creep into the heart of an individual who has very little. They kind of think to themselves, I don't have enough as it is, so I'm keeping everything I've got because I might need it. And it's the spirit of the world that we see today. You know, one of the most challenging books that I have ever read in my life is a little paperback commentary on the New Testament book of 1 John. 1 John is towards the end of, of the New Testament, and it's a, small, it's a small letter written by the Apostle John, about five chapters long is all. And one of the best books I have ever read in my life was a commentary on the on. The, the book of 1 John. It was written by a man by the name of Reuben Welch, who was on the faculty at the time of Pasadena College back in the 1970s. And I got this book probably in 1976. And I will tell you, with all the books I've read, this book tops the list. It challenged me that much. And in his book, he's going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter of the book of 1 John. And he comes to chapter 3, verse 16, which reads, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, so we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And this is what Welch says about that verse. Sometimes I wonder what we are saving ourselves for. Now, I don't like this any more than you do. It's just that I happen to believe that the Bible means what it says about some of these things, even though we don't like them. I'm thinking of a man who all his life, lifelong saved and saved and saved and held back, 
And do you know what he did when he was about 64? Yeah, he up and died. That's what he did. And all of the saving, the keeping, the holding, the making, and the saving of his life was down the tubes forever. I'm talking about a lifestyle that seeks to preserve, to save, to keep, for what? You know, we want, we want, our, uh, we want to save ourselves and keep ourselves and hold ourselves back as though the highest goal in life would be to look good in our caskets. I have this feeling that when a person is middle-aged, he ought to be about half used up. Isn't it God's intention that when we come to the end of the line, we're just about used up? Sometime between now and then, we might as well be letting the candle burn for the light, for the heat, for the warmth and sharing. As long as we're going to live and then die, we just better live for Jesus and love and go ahead and let ourselves be used up. Wow. Yeah. Listen to what the wisest man who ever lived apart from Jesus had to say about this whole idea. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. He says, one man gives freely yet gains more. And another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. I underlined some words there in that verse 24 because they, they seem to be contrary in thought. One man, he, he, you got this thought of giving and yet gaining, and then the thought of withholding and yet poverty. If you keep everything for yourself, how can you be poor? How can you have poverty? It's because there's a law there's a law of God that he has put in place. And when you give, God takes note of that. And he restores to you many times over what you have given. That is the print. That's why when you withhold, you end up in poverty because what you give becomes seed for your future. And so he goes on in verse 25 and says, a generous man will prosper. Why? Because of the God factor. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So the world says absolutely the opposite to that. The world says if you want to have a lot, you have to withhold a lot. You keep it for yourself. Don't give it away, because if you give it away, you'll lose it. You lose it, then you won't have it, and it'll be gone. But God says if you want to have a lot, be a giver. It's when you learn to give that God then notices and blesses you with more. I love how Solomon ended the last part of verse 35. He who refreshes, or 25, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You know, so if you sit and you say, I, I've come into this service and I just need somebody to notice me and I just need somebody to love me and somebody to care about, all of us need that. The way you receive that is by giving to other people. If you need love, give love. It's when you give it that you get it. If you need someone to care about you, care about them. If you need someone to talk to you, talk to them. 
It's in the planting of those seeds that great blessings come back upon your own life. So the priest and the temple assistant in this particular story said, what's mine is mine and you can't have it. And we don't know the rest of the story in their lives because the Bible doesn't say any more about it. But if what Solomon said is true, I believe that they dug a hole of a lifetime of poverty for themselves because of their attitude, because of how they treated the man beaten up. The third came from the Samaritan and could be stated this way, what's mine is yours and you can have it. What's mine is yours and you can have it. Luke chapter 10, verses 33 through 35, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The Samaritan understood something that was fundamental to his life, that what he owned and what he possessed, he didn't really own and possess. He really had received it as a gift from God in the first place. So it wasn't his to keep, it wasn't his to withhold or hoard. It was in the act of giving that he found the way to true happiness in his life. But what I want you to see is he didn't just give money here. He gave money, obviously, in the story, but he gave more than money. The first thing he gave was his heart to the wounded man. He cared. Verse 33 says he felt compassion for the guy who had been beaten up. Now, we live in this, in this world today where we got 24-7 news, and there's cameras everywhere, and we see suffering on an untold level, an unbelievable level. And you know what that does to us? It makes us hardened. We've seen the starving of Africa so many times that it's easy to just ignore the whole thing, which is exactly what the priest and the temple assistant did. They ignored the whole thing. This man, on the contrary, allowed his heart to be touched, and he felt the compassion that was needed in order to help fix the individual, to fix this broken man. Then not only did he feel something, he put his feelings to work. Verse 34 says that the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil, wine, and bandaged them, and putting a man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. So you notice here what he did. He soothed, he bandaged the wounds, he got involved, and he made sure the man got proper care, and he even promised that the people giving him the proper care would be paid when he came back into town to, to, to take care of it. And after telling this religious scholar this particular story about the Samaritan, the despised Samaritan, I don't have time to get into that, why he calls him a despised Samaritan, but that was the attitude of the Jews towards the Samaritan, I'll just tell you that. So the despised Samaritan, this low-class guy, comes around and does all of this. Then Jesus asks the, the religious expert who came and asked him, who's my neighbor? He says, which one of these three do you think was the true neighbor to the man who was beaten up? And the scholar said in verse 37, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. 
And Jesus was talking to every one of us in 2017 as much as he was talking to that man 2,000 years ago. So who is your neighbor? Everyone. They all are. God's calling on his people to care about all of them. And what are you supposed to do for your neighbor? You're supposed to love them as you love yourself. And we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks. But in verse 37, Jesus said that we specifically love them by showing them mercy. Well, what is mercy? Mercy is compassion and forgiveness given to someone who doesn't deserve it. It's what God gave us in our sin. He gave us mercy so we wouldn't have to stay in bondage to that sin. That's why we could sing today, the chains are gone. I've been set free. Why? The mercy of God made that happen. So mercy is giving forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it. It's forgiveness that's given to the guy who cuts you off in traffic. It's, it's forgiveness that's given to the person who talks ill about you. It's forgiveness uh, that's given to your boss because even when he chewed you out unjustly for something you didn't do. Forgiveness and mercy is something that you give to the, the, the fellow believer here at Life Church who hasn't lived up to, their, to, the, to what you think they should live up to as a Christian. They've talked the talk, but they haven't walked the walk. But you give them mercy instead of judgment. As Reuben Welch said, as long as we're going to live and then die, we just better live for Jesus and love and go ahead and let ourselves be used up. Two weeks ago, in the, in the message that I gave to you that day, I, I made this statement. I'm sure all of you remember it. I'm sure you do. I said, you can't be a coward and be a Christian. Today, I want to add to that and say, you can't be selfish and be a follower of Jesus Christ. They don't work together. You got to be selfless. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.